busy actually doesn't mean anything. It means we're doing a lot and we package up all of the amazing things that we actually are doing and the difference we make in this big brown beige box of busy and we're not sharing the difference that we are making. You can tell people anything, right? Words are cheap. Actions is where the rubber hits the road. Actions are your gold and other are the thing that is going to turn your vision into reality. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the 52 Weeks of Me podcast. I'm Jacqueline Osborne. And I'm Erica Brooks. This podcast is a platform for men and women to share their challenges and lessons they face throughout their journey toward achieving greater life balance through the four pillars of health and, of course, prioritizing the number one asset, you. Amazing. Let's get started. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you to help us get started. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat to you today. So a little bit about me in a nutshell. First, I'm a, I'm a businesswoman. I'm an entrepreneur who's driven to make a difference and empower people globally. So I've had my own business for 14 years. I'm a huge animal lover. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a vet. I'm a corporate dropout after a, a successful 21-year career climbing the corporate ladder. I think I'm a little quirky, I'm a little crazy, I love keeping fit, but I really live true to my values most of the time and that's of inspiration, passion and empowerment. And I'm super passionate about empowering leaders to rewrite the leadership history book and to change this culture of busy that we have created. So leadership is absolutely my thing and it's not just leadership of others, it's leadership of self. And my superpower is to make, is, is making leadership simple because leadership is not, doesn't need to be complicated. It's, it can be very simplified and just sticking to the simple things that make the biggest difference. I'm a Melbourne girl, um, from Australia and I'm also a wife to my amazing husband. So (laughs) that's pretty wrapped up in a, in a nutshell there. I, I love that intro and I'm, going to so obsessed with the superpower. So we're totally going to come back to that. But I do want to start with something you said, which was a corporate dropout. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. And not to mention you just coined the best phrase ever, corporate dropout. But what was your what I say, aha moment, what made you leave corporate life to go consulting or entrepreneurship, as you said? Yeah, that was a big, that was a big journey because I had an amazing career. So in the same organization, it was 21 years. I had a different role just about every two years, sort of climbing that ladder. I started at the very start. So I was in banking and I started as a teller, like the, the last, you know, number four teller or something like that. So it was at the very bottom. The higher I climbed that ladder, I suppose the more I saw. The more mature I became, I think the more mature you get, you get very conscious of what your values are and you get very aware of what's happening around you. And given my passion is very much about role modeling and doing what you say you're going to do. And I really felt like my values and the organization values were going into very different directions. And I found myself feeling really unfulfilled. And this was after I'd probably, like, I call it suffering, the worst leader 
ever. And I had that period of time where my confidence was really stripped away and I was quite scarred from that. So it was really that moment in time where I could like that, you came to that fork in the road where I could go, okay, you can keep going with this and hope it's going to get better. Or you can take your destiny into your own hands and do something else. What that something else was at that time, I didn't really know, but it was a really hard time because it was, I'd grown up, half of my life was spent in that organization and it was like, wow, am I really going to to let this go? And that was that moment in time where I went, yep, okay, I'm going to look into what I love doing, like get really clear on what I'm really passionate about, what I'm really driven to do and see how I can do that differently because I'm not going to be able to make the difference that I want to make in the organization. So as you said, that's hard. I mean, I, I, the longest I've been at any company, I want to say it's 10 years. So 21 years from the ground up. Wow. First of all, kudos to you for staying 21 years, but that's hard. And as you said, that fork in the road, I think a lot of our listeners, maybe not 21 years, but are at their own fork in the road. What advice or guidance can you give them or what helped you as you both made the decision and then started to take the action to to move on your decision? I think my advice to people is if you're not happy You have the power to change your situation. You are not stuck. Like they don't control you. You have options. So it's very much about creating those options for yourself, like those opportunities. So is it floating your CV? Is it, you know, um, potentially scanning LinkedIn and seeing what's available? Because it, it is very much an employee's market. Um, particularly here in Australia, like the opportunities are absolutely there and it's finding an organization or even backing yourself, jumping out and doing your own thing after some planning. But it's really taking stock of who am I? What am I really good at? And what is the difference that I want to make? And then aligning whatever you do to fulfill that. And I think we've got an amazing opportunity to do that right now. And you mentioned something about your own journey that I thought was really interesting, which was that you didn't know what you wanted to do next. When you really kind of realized you wanted to change, you kind of looked around and saw just total blue sky. How did you personally go about deciding and finding your path? I think in understanding where my strengths were, which was very much about the whole empowerment space and bringing people on a journey and leading them towards a vision, I thought there might be opportunity for me to do that for others. And so that's where the whole idea around consultancy in the first instance came from. To be completely honest with you, when I jumped out into my business, I had no idea what I was doing. It was just like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Why couldn't I do that? Like, I'll just make it happen. 
We we talk a lot about like shooting small bullets and doing little small experiments before we pull out the big guns. You just went straight for the big gun. You were like, I'm ready for a change. It is going to happen. It's going to work. It's going to be something. Yeah. There was a bit of groundwork that I did do before I did jump out. But, you know, really, I suppose, finding my feet in the coaching space. So doing some pro bono work, you know, for individual for individuals in that space and just seeing what results I could get. But, yeah, I wasn't prepared for, A, the transition. (laughs) So the transition from corporate into my own space was huge and quite challenging. But then also, okay, so I've got my website and I've got my, my brand name, so people should come, right? Well, no. It doesn't just happen? That's not just happen. Like, I, I should not have believed what people say. On that, I was slightly off script, but you said something I just want to tone into. What do you think is the biggest difference between corporate and, and consulting? And more specifically, what's the benefit to you? How are you able to maximize that not being shackled in uh, institutionalized, I think was the word you used earlier. Let's explore that a little bit because that's a really big concept. You said it in terms of being shackled. You've got so much more freedom to do things how you want to do things and you can adapt to what's happening. You can adapt to the clients that you're working with. You can be really flexible with your approach, you know, with your pricings, with your offerings and you can be, I feel you can be a whole lot more agile than what a corporate can. And that's what I've noticed also working in with small businesses, which is, you know, predominantly uh, a space that I work a lot in now. When you're leading them through change, whether that be culture change or implementing infrastructure change, whatever that might be, they're so much more agile to just jump on it and run with it. You don't have to go through layers and layers of hierarchy to get approval, which is incredibly frustrating. And you can react in the moment. So it's it's quite liberating. There's a lot of empowerment that comes with being charged with knowing everything that goes into every bit of the work you do. And I don't know, no one can see me except for the two of y'all, of course, but like I'm kind of giggling on the inside because when I was in big corporate, I remember those layers of approvals and how busy I always was, but how little was actually getting done. And now it's the opposite. Now it's like, if I'm not turning out two, three campaigns a day, I'm like, man, I did not produce anything. I'm I'm slacking off and laying around this afternoon. So it's a very different thing. Yeah, it, it really is. And if you, if you do it well, if you do it well, particularly when you're in your own business, but you can, you can make, you can make it suit your lifestyle. Now, Erica mentioned a word that actually you both now mentioned it, busy, but you actually have a book about busy. So let's talk about busy. And one of the the questions that I'm curious is, what's the difference between busy and being productive? And how does one decipher that? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And busy has been a real bugbear of mine for a long time. It's a word that everyone uses. Like when you ask someone how they are, they'll tell you how busy they are. Always. Oh, so busy. Uh, yeah. And it's not, it's not just busy. It's always so busy. So there's a lot of drama around busy. It's become one of the most overused words in the English language, I think. So busy is interesting because the world is busy, right? 
it's just busy. Uh, the way we work is fundamentally changed. The way we, we live is fundamentally changed. There's just so much to do now. And people can really get stuck in this vortex of busy and, and get stuck on what I call like the hamster wheel of just being busy, being busy. But busy does not mean that you are productive. They're two completely different things. So if you think about productive, being productive is doing the right things effectively and efficiently. And the key word in that is the right things, okay? So not just things. Whereas when we're busy, busy doesn't necessarily facilitate that. We're just busy reacting, responding, and doing what we think we want to do. And we're also busy on social media and we're busy in emails and we're busy just wasting a whole lot of time thinking we're incredibly busy, but it's not equating to the outcomes that we want to achieve or the life that we want to live or how we want to feel as humans. I was talking to a friend the other day and um, she asked me how things were going and how I was. And she did it like, you know, how, how are things and how are you? And I was like, gosh, you know, busy. And she goes, hey, busy's not an emotion. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So how am I? What emotion am I that ties to busy? And it was, you know, one of those moments when I realized like I'm using the wrong word to describe how things are doing because busy should not be as overused as it is. It should not be a badge of armor that we're walking around going, look how busy I am. Hurrah, hooray. Um, one of the things that I read on, I think your website was this idea of high vibration. How, how do you define that? And what does that look like through the lens of like being productive? Be, to be able to be productive, you need to have absolute clarity on those right things that you need to be doing, right? So when we don't have clarity, we can really get into a space of overwhelm, right? Because we, we don't have that clarity on what we need to be doing and when. So in being really high vibration, that is enabling yourself to create some really strong momentum and also to motivate yourself to do the things that you need to be doing. And it's when we can, you know, get to our desk, say, first thing in the morning, and you know what you need to be doing when, right? You have your priorities, maybe your top three priorities outlined that you want to achieve for that day. Right. And so you can just get straight into it rather than coming in, sitting at your desk going, Oh my God, I'm so busy. What am I going to do? And then you just start reacting to whatever's happening, whichever fire is burning <laughs> the brightest. First one in, first one out. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really, it's just getting in control and we all have the ability to do that. And to your point before about, you know, busy not being an emotion, well, busy actually doesn't mean anything. It means we're doing a lot and we package up all of the amazing things that we actually are doing and the difference we make in this big brown beige box of busy and we're not sharing the difference that we are making. This clarity on the right things, I just, I have to ask, it sounds so fundamental to turning from busy to productive. How can or how would you recommend our listeners find that clarity on what those right things are? Is there any formula, guidance, or is it just something you you do or do you have something you could share? Now, it sounds really counterintuitive when you're racing around and you're busy being busy, but the first thing you have to do is you have to stop. 
you have to create the time to just stop and give yourself the space to think about what the hell are you doing, <laughs> right? So that is my absolute number one first tip. And then you, I do a, a, this awesome exercise, one of my absolute favorite, favorite management models, which is called a stop, start, change, and continue exercise. Love, love this exercise. It's so powerful because it enables you to. So if you just draw, you know, a line down the middle of the page and then a line horizontally in the top left hand, you put a stop. You know, what are the things you need to stop doing? And it's all of potentially, it's all of the things that you say yes to that you probably shouldn't, right? And then once you get clarity on what you need to stop, you put boundaries around that. You know what you need to say no to. And then it's understanding what you need to start. So, you know, very simply, a lot of people want to exercise more. They want to eat better. You know, that's really, really common. Or they want to sleep more. So that would go in the start column. There's the things you want to start doing. There might be some things that you're doing, but you need to change up to get, you know, different results. And then finally in the bottom right, it's um, continue. So what are all the things that you're doing really, really well? Because we never do everything wrong. (laughs) We're doing amazing things well. And they're the things that we want to continue doing. So it's really just getting that clarity around what is really important to you. And then when we're living true to our priorities and when we're living and, you know, priorities are, are generally aligned to our values, that's when we feel fulfilled. And that's when we can avoid that time, point in time where you sit there going, why am I doing this? Why am I doing what I'm doing? There's there's a word, and of course I can't think of it, but there's a word where you start doing something and you just, oh, I wish I could remember it, but you just get so into the doing and you know it's the wrong thing, but you can't stop. Why is it so hard for us to realize or to stop? Does that resonate does that all right just speaking gibberish yeah no definitely because it's very much about the habits that we've set up for ourselves so so busy is a mindset busy is a habit right and we all of these things that we should not be doing it might be the whole reactionary scenario or saying yes and not listening to your gut and saying you should be saying no because creating new habits can be can be challenging they can be perceived as hard You've got to feel uncomfortable, get out of your comfort zone a lot of the time. And it's that change in routine. You know, often I I say to people, it's like creating your new identity first. And James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, is very big on this. So that's a really good reference book in terms of to be able to change a habit, you've got to create that new identity first. If it's like I'm someone who exercises five days a week, that's who you are. Like that's your identity and that will drive you to do what you do. If you think, and I really encourage people to stop explaining themselves as a busy mom, as a busy entrepreneur, as a busy whatever you are, that's a mindset. That's an identity. The more you think it, the more you'll do it. What about when other people label you as busy? This is where we need to really be changing the language because the expectation is when you ask someone how they are, people expect you to say you're busy, right? So I cannot say that I'm busy. I've written a book on anti-busy. It's saying, no, no, I'm not. I'm not busy. But what I'm doing is 
I am having this amazing podcast chat with these two amazing women in the US today. And we're going to be talking all about busy and we're going to be talking about role model. And I'm really excited about it. Is that not a little bit more descriptive than yeah, busy? Yeah. Do you think the past year has given people an opportunity to reset on their idea of busy? Because so much was, you know, without our control, literally taken away from us as a priority or an obligation? Absolutely. 100%. And people did do a lot of reflecting. And I think there was a lot as part of that, particularly when the commute to and from work was taken away and people realized how long they're spending the commute. (laughs) Uh, When family units were forced back together again under the same roof, it was people realized how little time they used to spend as an actual family and how much they may have been missing out on. You mentioned it earlier, but I want to talk about role models. One of the other topics that really just jumped off the page when I, when in our intro and when I was background is the emphasis and the importance you put around role models. And can you just share with our listeners or elaborate, A, what is a role model? But more importantly, why is it so important? I think now is the time where role models can be game changers if they step into that space. So really simply, a role model is someone who inspires others through their own behaviors or through leading by example. So a positive role model shows others what's possible and encourages challenges and supports people to achieve their goals. So I sort of say that role models are a leader of influence. So they're people who do what they say they're going to do. They walk their talk. They lead what they need to. You know, for example, in organizations, when you're wanting to change a culture, and maybe you're wanting to instill a culture of well-being. The leader has to be that person. They they can't just say that they want this culture and not do it. They have to be the front runner and they have to show others what's possible. So they might finish at a particular time of the night or, you know, have an early night, go to their kids' um, ball game, whatever that might be, but they have to be the example of it. And your really interesting stat is that 95% of a leader's behaviors or a person's behaviors are unconscious. So we're only conscious of 5% of what we do. So a role model, you know, is stepping into that space is someone who is incredibly self-aware and has more EQ than IQ, I think. That 5% is shocking to me. And I'm sitting here thinking about, I'm like, how aware am I of everything I do? And I'm wondering if that 5% is a lot of the nonverbal cues that we send. Yes. And we we are um, creatures of habit. So we respond and react in terms of what we know. Whereas when we step into the space of being really aware of the impact that we're having on others and have that ability to read the room, to, to read the mood and to understand that our words have so much power and our actions also have equally a huge amount of power, it, it's, as I say, it's increasing that self-awareness and then creating new habits for yourself. 
So let's talk about this habit. Do you think being a role model is something you're born with? You either have it or you don't? Or do you think one can learn to be a better role model? Ask anyone and they'll probably have a different opinion on this. I think leadership can absolutely be learned and role modeling can absolutely be learned. That is very much a learned behavior. It's simply taking stock of who you are as a leader, what are you leading, and then what are the actions that you need to put in place to role model who you are as a leader and what you are leading at that time. So, yeah, I absolutely 100% believe it can be learned if you want to learn it. What about having role models and, like, finding someone? Do you, like, actively go out in pursuit of one or do you happen across them? What kind of advice do you have for identifying a role model for yourself? I think the the power of having role models is seeing in others what you want to achieve or who you want to be. If you think about, you know, throughout your life, you will have had people that you've looked up to. And it probably started with your parents. And and then, you know, when we jumped into um, organizations, you would have had leaders who were role models for you, for good and bad. <laughs> so throughout my time, I've seen the good, the best and the worst. So you learn from the not so great leaders what not to do, and you learn from the great people what to do, but you'll find them all around you. It almost sounds like something you said earlier around finding your true identity. It almost sounds as if the role model is one, establishing your vision or your true north, that that identity. What do you want to be role modeling? And yeah. then two is almost building or establishing that behavior so that you can actually be role modeling what you want. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. You can tell people anything, right? Words are cheap. Actions is where the rubber hits the road. Actions are your gold and are the, are the thing that is going to turn your vision into reality. And the your actions build, if you, if you do what you say you're going to do, that builds congruence between your actions and words and that leads to trust. And our trust is, is the gold. That is the thing. That is your magnet in terms of enabling people to trust that you are who you say you are who you are and that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And now the other topic you brought up that I I do before we come to it, I want to make sure I get to is this concept of leader of self. Mm. Again, what is it and why is that so important in this holistic component? Being a leader of self is incredibly important because I believe you cannot be a leader of anyone else until you lead yourself. So leadership is not about title. It's not about status. It's not about money. Leadership comes from within. And we have to be able to be self-aware enough to lead ourselves, to be aware of the impact that we're having on others, to be able to be an effective leader of others. And this comes back to that good leader, bad leader. The poor leaders are not strong leaders of themselves in the first instance. So they'll tell you to do something, but they'll do the complete opposite thing. 
So we've got to be able to self-regulate, self-manage our emotions. We need to have that self-awareness about what we're doing in the first instance and take responsibility for that. Take ownership of it. And if we're wanting to be different, we need to implement new leadership habits to be different. I think it's really interesting, this idea of like positive role models, the good role models and the bad negative role models. You kind of have like a column, right? And you see these different behaviors and you're like, yep, nope, yep, nope. And you just kind of make your list of what's important to you. And then your values kind of, you know, can find themselves that way too, by seeing the common themes or the things that keep coming up as, you know, what you want to be and who you want to emulate. A good example of this where people can lose sight of who they are as a leader of themselves are are people pleasers. So our our people pleasers are people who are just desperate to please others, who are desperate to be liked and will often, I suppose, craft themselves to who they're wanting to please in that moment rather than having a really solid foundation in which they stand and the confidence in who they are to enable them to say no to things that they probably shouldn't. So they do things out of a misguided sense of obligation rather than what they should be doing. So I think the people pleasers of the world can get really lost in who they are and lose that sense. You know, when you're wearing a gazillion hats each day, it's like, who, who am I? Like what, what makes me happy? What are my values? So with that, I cannot believe our time is up. I swear to God, when they talk about the flow, this session has been my jam. Um, I've loved every second (laughs) of it, but we do need to wrap up. And I could not let you go without asking the last and final question because we ask everybody if you can recommend, I know you you already did, so maybe you'll take the second one, but if you could recommend another book or a piece of advice or both, what would it be? I think the advice that I would love to give your listeners is just to be confident in who you are because right now and all through your life, you've been enough and where you're at right now is the perfect place for you. You know, the next, whatever that, whatever you want to create is, is waiting for you. Just be confident in who you are. Well, again, thank you for joining us. We do need to ask, sorry, uh, how can our listeners find you and learn more about you? Oh, yes. So the easiest way is to jump onto my website. Heaps of references there, which is juliehyde.com.au or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on the LinkedIn space and share lots of hints and tips there too. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved our chat. Bye. 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 Thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to us as much as we enjoy participating in the conversation. Now your homework is to be sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you thought about today's discussion. And of course, find us online, 52weeksofme.net with the number five and the number two, and at Instagram at 52weeksofme spelled out. And we love emails, so email us at 52weeksofme spelled out at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you all soon. Bye. Bye.